And I just got to tell you that it's been very refreshing to me. I just have to thank you as a church for allowing me to be me and allowing me to be real and be transparent and open and honest with you. And uh, everybody's not taken off and like, oh my gosh, our pastor's messed up, all that fun stuff, right? And uh, honestly, because I've got a lot of friends and I know people that pastor churches that are kind of expected to be perfect. Like, they're not perfect, but they're kind of expected that. And they don't have the privilege that I feel that I've been blessed with by you. So thanks, thanks for allowing me to be me. Yeah. If you would, take out your message outlines today, and we're going to camp out again in Philippians chapter 4, which is kind of our focal passage for this whole series. And uh, once you know the context, if you don't know the context, once you know what was really going on in the lives of Paul and the people here, it really even takes upon more power to me um, in this text that was already powerful before. But the book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote it to the church of Philippi. Paul had an ultimate dream of going to Rome because Paul knew if he could get to Rome and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, if he could get to Rome, which was kind of the epicenter, right? All the, a lot of leaders were there. There was a lot of commerce there. There was a lot of people there. He knew if he could get to Rome and get to those influencers and share Christ, that he could effectively, they could reach the whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that was his number one priority on his bucket list. He finally gets to go to Rome, and instead of being a preacher, he ends up becoming a prisoner. He's falsely arrested. He's thrown in prison. Twenty four hours a day, around the clock, he's strapped or tied to, chained to, shackled to a Roman guard. And so he's not able to share the gospel like he had hoped to in Rome. And month after month goes by, he's still a prisoner. He doesn't know what the outcome's going to be. He doesn't know if he'll die in prison. He doesn't know if he'll ever be released. He doesn't know if he'll ever be able to share the gospel in Rome in the way that he had hoped to. And so in with all of that going on, Here's where he writes. And if anybody had a reason to be anxious, to be worried, to be down in the dumps, to, to bail on God, to be like, God, I can't believe it. I came here to serve you, and here I am locked up. If anybody had the right to be crippled by anxiety, it would have been Paul. But it's yet out of that predicament. Here's what he writes in Philippians chapter 4. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, just in case you missed it, right? Paul, who's got all this going on, says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. I don't know how that fits in your mind. It doesn't fit in my mind well. I would like to say, oh yeah, when I was at the lowest point, I was just rejoicing the whole time, right? Like, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, like that would make an amazing Verse to put on a coffee mug, wouldn't it? And let it sit in your house. It's like, oh yeah, that's, oh, that's good, that's good. It'd be a great refrigerator magnet. Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, would be a great bumper sticker for your car. It might even be a great vo- verse to quote to your friend that's really down in the dump. And you say, hey look, let me tell you about Paul, so why don't you just rejoice in the Lord always? Again I say rejoice. You can say that to your friend, but you know what? None of us want people say it, quoting that verse to us more down, right? When everything seems to be falling apart in our life, 
You're, like, you're driving down the road, rejoice in the Lord always. It's 102 outside, your air conditioner's working fine in the car, but then you get a flat tire. Now you're out by the side of the road at 102, trying to change a flat tire, and somebody says, hey, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, and you're like, yeah, you come over here and rejoice, right? I'll hit you with this tire iron. So let's, this is reality, right? So Paul, he's in that circumstance. He's a prisoner. That's not what he had in his mind when he went to Rome. But yet he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. You know how that means for real life? You know what that, in all circumstance, in all, always. Rejoice in the Lord always, in every circumstance. You find out your spouse has been lying to you. They've been cheating on you. You rejoice in the Lord always then? Rejoice when you lose your job and you don't have another one lined up. Rejoice then? Rejoice when your best friend betrays you. Rejoice then? Rejoice when you go to the doctor and you get handed a report. Rejoice then? Rejoice in the Lord even when you find out your child, your adult child, has been making some horrible decisions. Rejoice when you can't sleep at night and the anxiety is so real. You lay awake and you can't fall asleep and you get up the next morning but you don't want to get out of bed and you've got responsibilities but you don't even want to leave the house. Rejoice then, Paul? Really? But he was there. Out of that context, listen. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. He goes on, let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Remember that in week one? The Lord whispers. You know why he whispers? Because he's close. He talks about anxiety. Don't be anxious about anything, Paul says, but in every situation. And he wasn't like on a cruise ship. Remember, he's in prison. In every situation, by prayer, we talked about that last week, and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. Remember that from last week? And the peace of God, once you do that, we rejoice in all circumstances. We take our concerns, our prayers, and our petitions through prayer to God. When we do that, God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He guards your heart and your mind. Remember I told you last week where most of our problems are? Right up here. Nobody knows, but we know. Paul said, that's what you do. Can I tell you what the key is? It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. The title of today's message is The Perspective of Praise. I hope when you leave here today, you'll never, ever, ever look at your life the same way. What does perspective mean? Just so we can be together on this. It simply means it's how you see something. You, you and I can see an accident happen on the road and you saw it from one perspective and I saw it from another because I was on a different corner. That's what perspective is. It's two people looking at the same circumstance and seeing it from two different perspectives. Thanks, I'm glad you're going with me. This is not fun when you do it by yourself. <laughs> For instance, take a look at this picture. Take a look at this picture. How many of you, the very first thing you see is a candlestick? 
How many of the very first thing you see is two people looking at each other? It's the same picture, isn't it? How many of you see both of them now? How many of you still can't see it? Okay, a few of you still don't see it. See? Isn't that interesting? Those are crazy people. No, it's just we're different people. Let me show you another one. How many of you see a duck looking this way? How many of you see a rabbit? How many of you see both? How many don't see either? <laughs> it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. I want to talk to you today about a perspective of praise. The Apostle Paul, was he in a bad situation? I think most of us would absolutely say it was a bad situation. I wouldn't want to trade places with him. And you know what, we, you know what I would expect him to say? Hey, this is really bad. This is not good. My life is over. He's ripe for anxiety. Can we agree on that? I mean, can you imagine? He could have, how can I function? My ministry is over. Here, I thought I was going to Rome, God, to share your word, and now I'm locked up 24 hours a day, falsely arrested. So how does he still say rejoice? And always. I want to show you a scripture that's very close to what, he, what I would have said. And if you'll notice on your note sheets, it says BPV version. Do you see that? You say, I've never heard of BPV, like NIV and NLT. Well, it's called the bad perspective version. It's just made up, all right? So don't go look for one of these Bibles. You won't find it. <laughs> but I think many of us in this room will relate to this BPV it's all about perspective. Remember that? So Paul's situation, we kind of know it now. Here's what I believe it would have said if I would have wrote it. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me really sucks. Right? God let me down. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety. I'm depressed. I'm wrestling with hopelessness. And because of the hell that I've been through, I'm quitting my small group and I'm never going back to church again. How many of you can relate to the bad perspective version? Listen, there, every hand in here ought to be up. You know why? Because I hear these kind of conversations. I've said them myself. It's like, come on, God, what's going on here? Are you punishing me? I don't get it. I'm down in the dumps. I'm struggling. I don't even want to get out of bed. Like, where in the heck are you at? Like, I don't even, I'm even thinking about giving up on church because you're not doing anything for me. Paul could have said that. I probably would have said that. He didn't say that. He had a whole different perspective, and it's all about perspective. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Here's exactly what the Paul, said. Paul said. Here's the real version. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, watch this, that what has happened to me, what's happened to him? He went to Rome to be a preacher, now he's a prisoner. He's falsely arrested. His whole dream and plan for how he's going to communicate the gospel is gone. He doesn't even know if he'll get out of jail. Although this thing looks bad, look at his perspective. What's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What? As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. He had a perspective of praise. You and I might look at this and say, I, I, I don't, this is not good. 
I, I thought my situation was really bad. And then I realized, listen, Paul realized, God said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. God is working in all things together. He's working all things together for the good. Doesn't mean all things are good, but he takes all things and he works them together for good for those of us that love him and are called according to his purpose. Therefore, Paul says, I've got a perspective of praise. I don't, it's not all working out the way I'd have planned it, but I believe he's still in control even though I don't understand it. <laughs> it's all about perspective. You and I get to choose this. If you haven't already filled this in, fill this in. It's all about perspective. Paul said, I'm starting to see that what's actually happened here is to serve to advance the gospel. I was going there to share the gospel. I planned on being a preacher, but now I'm a prisoner. And you know what? They thought I'm their prisoner. They locked me up and I even bought it for a while that I'm their prisoner. But now he started to think, he started to look at things in a different way and he was chained to three different Roman soldiers every day, eight hour shifts, 24 hours a day. Some of the most influential guards and people there were chained to Paul and so Paul said they think I'm the prisoner but they're strapped to a preacher 24 hours a day. I get three new people every day to share the gospel with who are then going out and sharing it with their peers. He starts to see it from a different perspective. What if you and I started to view our situations through a perspective of praise? What if we started looking for the deer in the duck or the candlestick or the two faces? What if we just started to say, wait, I forget that God is still in control. It's not all going the way I had it planned. But listen, God is in this. I believe God's working all things together for the good. I don't see it yet, but I'm going to see it from a different perspective. I'm going to see it from a perspective of praise. Now, can we all say, okay, that would be great. Is it easier said than done? Of course it is, but it's a choice. It's a choice. What's so powerful to me isn't that the Apostle Paul was actually stuck in prison, right? I mean, it wasn't the first time. You can read in Acts chapter 16 later about this. This wasn't the first time that this has happened to him. And he's seen what God has done in other ways. Him and Silas, they were going to go to their small group one day, right? Basically, they're going to this place of prayer him and his buddy Silas, and there was a woman that they ran into possessed by an evil spirit. And, and, and what they did, they, they cast out the evil spirit out of this woman, and, and, a group, and a gang fight broke out, right? Right in front of them, a riot. And they ended up doing what? They ended up being arrested. They ended up being beaten by the crowd in order to be beaten by the religious leaders. In fact, we pick up the story, verse 22, the crowds joined in an attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped, get this, stripped and beaten with rods. I'm hoping that none of you this week, no matter what your week is like, I doubt many of us will be stripped naked and beat with rods because of our faith. Can we just agree that's probably not going to happen to any one of us here? but it happened. But in real life, you know what you're doing? You know what a lot of us in this room are doing? You're in such a predicament right now. Your circumstances are such that you've just had one perspective and it's just tearing you apart and you find yourself spiraling lower and lower and lower. What if you changed your perspective? Paul and Silas, they're beaten. 
with rods. They were stripped naked. They probably had broken ribs. They had lacerations, probably a broken nose. Who knows all that they had? But they were physically beaten, and they're laying on the floor, and they're in this situation, and it's bad. And you know what they decided to do? This is, this is amazing to me. Because it shows that we have a choice. And if you allow your feelings to dictate what you do, like I did for so many months when I was struggling, it just gets darker and darker. And you isolate yourself and it gets darker. But you know what Paul did? They're laying, they're beating on the floor, they're still shackled. And Paul says, you know what? We might as well have a worship night. Can you imagine? I don't even feel like getting out of bed. Maybe I ought to worship. It'd be kind of the equivalent of you finding out someone that you dearly love, they, they hear the C word, the cancer word, and you say, you know what? I get that, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to gather up our friends. We're going to gather up our small group, and we're going to have a worship night. That's what we're going to do. You just discovered that your kid's on drugs. And what do you do? You say, you know what? We could be, we're going to get together and we're going to praise God. We're going to have a worship night. That's what they did. It's a matter of perspective. It's a choice that we get to make. Two years ago, I told you I was really, really struggling. I was struggling so much. Listen, I was desperate in some ways. I felt like I was. And we ended up finding a couple that lived in Washington State that had helped other pastors wrestle through this dark journey. And so our staff and the church, listen, they allowed me to go out there for a week. And I went by myself. And if you know me, listen, you might not know it on Sunday morning. I'm probably the most shy person you'll ever meet in your life. And so I find myself on an airplane going all the way across the country to Washington State to get in a rental car to drive to two folks' house that I've never met. I've only talked to them on the phone. And I'm going to stay with these people for a week because I'm so stuck. I'm desperate. That's a sick dude right there. I'm telling you. I drive up. I drive in a driveway. I'm like, oh, good. I'm getting my bags. I'm carrying them into a house of some people that I've never met. <laughs> That's unusual. Can we just say that? That's unusual. I had never struggled that bad in 30 years of ministry, but it was so real. And it was one of the best weeks of my life. It didn't, wasn't like waving a magic wand and I flew back home and everything was perfect. But it was a wake-up call. And so I'm working with these counselors that week and basically, uh, you know, they will, will tell us your story, tell us your journey. So about two hours later, I'm done, and I'm thinking, wow, now you guys know how bad it is, right? And I was like, it's bad. I'm really struggling. When they got all done listening, you know what they said? You're in a terrible, wonderful place. What? <laughs> what? You're in a terribly wonderful place. So what do you mean? They said, we feel horrible that you're down in the dump so bad and that you've got overwhelmed so bad and that you're where you're at, but it's also a wonderful place. At the same time, it's terrible because God is still there where you're at and God can lead you out of that and God's gonna do something in you that he couldn't do any other way and he still loves you. 
And he loves you no matter what you think about yourself and no matter what your church thinks about you. And even though you're struggling, he's here. And I started to have a different perspective. Again, don't, I'm not making this. It's not like, oh, wonderful, thank you so much. But it intrigued me. I'm like, whoa, 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 you right? They said, listen, you got a lot going for you. You've got 30 years of ministry under your belt. God has used you. God has used your church in mighty, mighty ways. You've got a wife that is way above your pay grade, and she loves you greatly, and I know you love her greatly. You have a great relationship with your adult kids. You have wonderful grandchildren. You're in good health. There are so many things right in your life, Scott. The reason that you're panicking is because you're focusing so much on what's wrong with you right now, but you're forgetting to look at also what's right. You get that? I don't know who that's for right now, but there's somebody else sitting here today or a bunch of somebody sitting here right now that you have an issue, and it's a big issue, and you're down in the dumps, and you've been spiraling farther and farther down, and you feel it, and you don't want to get out of bed, and you struggle to make it through a day, and maybe no one else really knows. But could it be that you are focusing so much on what's wrong that you're not looking at the whole picture to see all that's right? You have friends. You have your health. Maybe you don't have your health, but you have friends. You've got glimmers of faith. If you just have a faith the size of a mustard seed, the Bible says you can say to that mountain, move, and that mountain will move. You see, I know now when I get down, it's because I can focus more on why I'm down and then I get down more and more and more. And it had never happened in 30 years to that extent and I didn't see my way out. But by flying all the way across the country and going to a home of two people that I'd never met before that gave me this terribly wonderful news, I'm like, what? You're a part of a big church family. You're a part of a small group fill this in if you're taking notes. Don't just look at what's wrong. Also look at what's right. Also look at what's right. It's all about perspective. How could they be where they're at when they've been beaten, when he's chained up, when he's locked up? How could he worship God? I don't know how you visualize this stuff, but I'm not that bright, so I have to kind of take it to the lowest level I can. And maybe Paul leaned over to Silas after they're beat to to a pulp. They're black and blue. They're laying on a floor. They're shackled up. And Paul leans over to Silas and says, Dude, this is bad. How you feeling, man? I hurt. Hey, we're not dead. That's good news, right? There's a lot of people that are. I'm not dead. You're not dead. And if we're not dead, we're not done. And if we're not dead, God's not done. He's bigger than all of this. We might have some bad going on, but we're still breathing. I'm not dead. You're not dead. We're not done. We can look at this from a different perspective, and that's exactly what they did. Paul said, Let's, I got an idea, Sigh, because 
His name was Silas, but if you're guys, right, we all have a nickname. If you don't have a nickname, you don't really have any friends. <laughs> he said, you know what we're going to do? We ought to worship. <laughs> Look at verse 25. About midnight. I like Paul. He's a late night dude, like I'm a late night dude. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And all the other prisoners, what were they doing? They were listening to them. Now, I want you to notice this. Don't miss this. They were praying and they were singing hymns while they were bound in prison, right after they had been beaten. In other words, God had not done anything miraculous. He hadn't delivered them. Their circumstances hadn't changed. You get that? They're praising him even when their situation is bad. They weren't praising him for what he was doing because he hadn't done anything that they could see. They were praising him for who he was. Do you see the difference? We tend to praise God for what? Oh, I got great news. Oh, this happened. I got the promotion. Oh, that turned out the way we wanted. We tend to praise God for the what, but we struggle when the what's don't work out and we should change our perspective and just praise him for who he is because we know what he's capable of and we trust that he knows when I don't know and he's got a way when I don't see a way and I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I know who's in control ultimately and it's not you. That stuff's way better than you're reacting. Can I just tell you that? That's way better than you're reacting. They weren't praising him for the what. They were praising him for the who. Fill this in if you're taking notes. It's not always about praising God for the what. But we can always praise God for who he is. That's a choice no matter your circumstances. You can change that perspective any time you choose. And so can I. It's a different perspective. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert for those of you that can't wait to get to the end of a story. If you don't know what happens with Paul and Silas, I'm going to give it to you. We're going to look at it in a minute, but I want you to understand the context. In a little bit, in the middle of their praise, remember, they, they don't know, they're just praising God for who he is. They don't know it yet, but God's going to show up in the middle of their praise. He's going to shake that prison cell that they're in. He's going to shake the entire prison with an earthquake. And the doors, every cell door in this entire prison is going to be shook open, and the chains that they're all shackled with are going to fall off. That's not a coincidence. <laughs> now, why do I tell you that? <laughs> because when they were praising God, they didn't know this was going to happen. Paul wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always before this happened. Because he was praising God for who he was, not for what he was doing. Do you get that? They were praising God before they knew what was going to happen. They didn't even know if anything miraculous would happen. That brings to color, that brings to light this whole idea of rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice even when you don't know the outcome. Rejoice when you don't even see a way. Because this is not praise for what you see, this is praise for who he is. That's what we get to do. This is when it hit me. I've got to tell you, this week was, it was terribly wonderful. Because this brings back a lot of stuff for me. 
And for the life of me, two years ago, I'm thinking, God, I'm ready to call it in, man. I just can't. I don't see how I can go on. And I'm, I'll just promise you this. It, this is not a new pathway that I'm going to just, every week, I'm just going to cry out and tell you my pity party story. I won't drag you through that every week, I promise. But here's what it hit me. Paul wrote those words, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. I got thinking two years ago, I saw no possible good stuff that God was going to do through my journey of pain and anxiety and burnout. And it just dawned on me this week, preparing for week three, that based on the number of stories that I've heard, and there's got to be a lot that I didn't, that God was actually using my story and my pain and my journey to help other people. Like, wow, Paul, I get it. I wanted that anxiety and that stress to go away so much, but I didn't know if it would. But I can tell you, praise. If you choose to praise, even when you don't feel like praising, it will change your perspective. It'll change your perspective. In a moment... In that moment this week, my perspective changed. And I realized, wow, God, if that's what it took to help other people, then sign me up and bring it on. Some of you might be going through something right now way different than mine, and it's not mine is better or worse, and oh, yeah, well, yours isn't as bad as mine was. Listen, that's not the deal. It's as real to you as it is to me. And it doesn't matter. But it could be that God is allowing you to go through what you're going through to prepare you for down the road to help some people that you don't even know yet. It's all a matter of perspective. Now I want you to imagine, if you can, imagine this context. Paul and Silas, they're beaten, they're bloodied, they're laying on a prison floor. They decide to praise. Which is what we're going to do in just a couple of minutes. I don't know what you're going through, but no matter what your circumstances, even if you're in a good time right now, I always tell people, listen, if you're in a good time right now, wait. Because life has a tendency to do this. If you're on the peak of the mountain right now and you just got some news and you're like, yes, I wish I could tell you you're going to live there, but you're not. Because people that you know are going to get sick and people that you love are going to die and you're going to get some news delivered to you one day and I'm not a doggy downer. I'm just telling you, life here is not like life there. And so it's going to happen, so it's going to be this. So you might not need it today, and if you don't, praise God that you don't need it. But you're going to need this somewhere. Some of you need it right now. Some of, some of you, it took everything you could to drag yourself here today. And God brought you here so that you can make a choice, and you can have a perspective of praise, and you can praise him even when you're locked up, even when you're down in the dumps, even though you don't know how you're going to move on tomorrow. You can choose to praise him today. So in fact, if I could, I'm going to just ask the worship team to come out and get ready to lead us in a few minutes in worship. And I'm going to read to you from the text, and I'm hoping, I'm going to try to help you see this, all right? So follow along. 
Here's the rest of the story. About midnight, Acts 16, 26. I just made the note for you. You can read this later. About midnight, Paul and Silas, they were praying. They were singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners that are all around them are listening. And suddenly, suddenly, when it wasn't expected, you just hear this amazing boom, these sounds echoing all through this prison yard. And God showed up. And boy, did he show up. Don't miss this. He didn't show up before they praised. They didn't say like, God, you show up something big and we'll praise you if you you show off, right? It's not what happened. But because they made a choice to change their perspective and praise God not for what, but for who he is. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And all at once, all the prison doors, get this, visualize this, they flew open. And everybody's chains that had been shackled to a guard, they fell off. You see in this? There's no visible reason to praise God. They're in jail. They got all broken up, all beaten up. They're falsely arrested. And Paul leans over to Silas, who was probably asleep on the floor. Hey, Si, you wake. Don't you love it when people do that? You wake. I am now. Hey, Si, we still got breath. They didn't kill us. Our God's on the throne. Jesus is risen. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's praying for us. Why don't we give him just a little bit of praise? Why don't we right here on this prison floor worship his name? Because it's God. So Paul and Silas, they're praying, they're singing hymns. They're still locked up. And then it all happens. Sometimes you might find out that the key that unlocks your miracle is the sound of your mouth praising God, not for what he's done or what he's doing, but for who he is. You're going to choose to have a perspective of praise. You're going to choose to praise him in the middle of your pain. You're not bailing out on God. You're not bailing on his church. You're not bailing on his small group. Are you kidding me? You're going to rejoice in the Lord always. You're going to choose a perspective of praise. It's all about perspective. And we get to do that today. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you're at. And I'm going to ask you to sing out like maybe you've never sang out before and don't even worry about the person sitting next to you. It doesn't matter. This is between you and God. This is your opportunity, no matter what your circumstances, to lift your voice and praise Him for who He is, not for what He is doing. You can have a seat. Would you just bow your heads with me in prayer? Jesus, we praise you for who you are that you're here. We praise you that you're faithful, that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. That every single one of us that by faith have turned from our sins and invited you to be Lord and Savior of our lives. We have everything available to us that Paul and Silas had available to them. And no matter our circumstances, God, I pray that we would never, ever forget that we can choose a perspective of praise.
Not because all our circumstances are good, but because you are good and you're in control and you always have a plan. God, I pray for healing today. I pray for emotional healing. I pray for people that have anxious hearts today. I pray, God, for the one that walked in ready to quit and call it all in. But God, you've given them some hope today simply because of who you are. As we continue praying today, there's some of you here today, maybe you're a bit confused. You might kind of feel like the outsider listening in, like the other prisoners listen to Paul and Silas's praise and worship. And you're saying, wow, it sounds great, but I don't get it. I don't really understand it. Not even really a church person. Like I want to believe in God and I feel like I've got some faith, but I don't know. And I tell you, I have no doubt God brought you here today to get your attention. I don't know what, you might have been turned off by, to God by other people. Other people that claim his name and you're just looking at them saying, wow, if that's what God's like, no thanks. Don't you ever allow another person to keep you away from the God that created you, that loves you, that wants a personal relationship with you. You see, we're talking about a God that wants you to know him personally through his son Jesus. We're not talking about a religion. God so loved you that he sent his son who became one of us, a human being born of a virgin on Christmas morning, living 33 years. He was buried after being crucified and shedding his blood. For what? For you. You see, sin had to have a payment. A blood sacrifice has to occur for sins to be forgiven. Jesus shed his blood so you and I don't have to. He defeated death so that you and I can. How do we do it? By putting our faith and trust in him. By turning from our way of doing life and trusting him. You get to do that today. How do you do it? It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of prayer. It's a matter of your will. Committing yourself to Jesus. You don't even have to do it out loud. You can do it in the stillness of your heart. But when you turn from doing things your way and invite Jesus to save you, to cleanse you, he gives you a brand new life. And he plants in you eternal life, heaven life, that no matter how long you live, heaven's going to be your home. Not because of your performance, but because of his perfect son's performance that now lives in you. If that's you today, right where you are, right where you're seated, make this your heartfelt prayer to God's ear. Say, Heavenly Father, please forgive me of all my sins. I'm so sorry for all I've done wrong. By faith, I invite you into my heart. I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. Make me brand new from the inside out. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you, Jesus, for the rest of my days on this earth and for all eternity. Thanks for giving me the gift that I can't earn or deserve of eternal life through your Son, in whose name I pray. Amen.